Welcome to the Global Citizen Podcast, brought to you by the Global Citizen Award. I'm Siobhan, and in this episode, we are excited to bring you a reflection from an Irish overseas volunteer. And so I would like to introduce you to our first Global Citizen guest, Orla Henry. Orla is an Irish volunteer who travelled to Mozambique shortly after Cyclone Idai in 2019 with Cork-based NGO Serve. She's also participating in the Global Citizen Award and is aiming to achieve her Silver Award in 2021. Having spent time working alongside service partners in Mozambique so soon after this climate-related disaster, Orla is now passionate about taking action on climate at home in Ireland. Now, that's enough from me. I'll hand it over to Orla to share her knowledge and stories with you. Hi, I'm Orla and I've never done anything like this before, so I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to start it to be honest um but before we get into anything I feel like I should probably just clarify that you know I am in no way an expert in any of this nor am I saying that I am there is so much more to learn on the topic of climate change and everything that we talk about today won't even scratch the surface but with that being said I have spent the last few months researching taking online courses and reading books so I'm going to take a stab at sharing some of that with you and even if all it does is show you that you don't have to be perfect to do something or you don't have to be perfect to start trying to make a change, then that'll be something because I should just let you know now, this will not be perfect. So the first thing I guess that's worth talking about is why I chose Goal 13 Climate Change as my sustainable development goal to focus my research and my projects on. Last summer, I spent the month of July volunteering in Young Africa in Bera, Mozambique with Serve. On March 4th, 2019, however, before our travels to Mozambique, it was hit by Cyclone Idai. Winds of up to 150 kilometers per hour were recorded and floods of up to two meters deep in some places. 90% of the city of Beira was destroyed. Over a thousand died, many were injured and millions displaced. Six weeks later, Cyclone Kenneth hit. It was the first time in recorded history that two tropical cyclones have hit the country in the same season. And, you know, at the time, I remember reading a headline somewhere in one of the articles and it went something along the lines of a first catastrophe of climate change. And when I further researched, I discovered that, yeah, the cyclone may very well have happened anyways, regardless of climate change. But climate change can be seen to have amplified the tragedy, the tragedy. One critical factor in the southern Indian Ocean that is having an impact on these storms is sea surface temperatures. Warmer seas mean that there's more energy available for cyclones, which can only form when the water reaches 26 degrees Celsius. When tropical cyclones like Adai hit, rainfall intensities are higher because of climate change, and as a coastal country, rising sea levels also result in greater flooding. When I travelled to Bera, the city was still struggling to recover from the harrowing effects. When you think about immediate effects, you must also then think about the effects like diseases such as cholera, which run ripe in the stagnant water. I have seen the effects of climate change firsthand. I met students who lost homes and family members. And at the back of my mind now, I can't help but wonder if lives could have been spared if climate change hadn't played an impact on the cyclone. Are we literally at a point now of life or death when it comes to the question of climate change? And that's not a question that I have answers to. But one thing that I do know is that climate change is something that's happening right now. It's not in the future. We need to take action now to help those who are feeling the worst of its wrath. Uh, 
when talking about climate change, you know, I've often heard the explanation for climate change is being put down to just another progression of the Earth cycle. And when we look back at history, we can definitely see the Earth going through ice ages and then long periods of warmth, for example. So while scientists can't say exactly how much of climate change would happen naturally, what they can say is that the rate at which climate change is happening is unprecedented. Also, you have to consider that when you look back at time, those periods didn't contain human emissions and activity. So therefore, we didn't play a factor in it. It was all natural. So therein lies the problem. Human activity is causing the climate and the earth to change at such a pace that we really don't know how the earth or ecosystems or even the human race will be able to deal with the change. If we go a little bit into the basic science behind global warming, and when I say basic science, I mean basic science because I am no expert and science was never my strong point. But essentially what is happening is that greenhouse gases are creating a blanket around the earth. That comes in, heat comes in through the atmosphere from the sun and then the earth radiates the heat back out. However, because of this blanket of greenhouse gases, the heat radiation is being trapped and re-emitted back down to the surface, causing the rise in global temperatures. When we hear about greenhouse gases, you probably mainly hear about carbon dioxide and that. that's because it's the most common greenhouse gas. There is a few other gases worth touching on as well, however, and these include methane and nitrous oxide. So for each molecule of methane, it has a potency approximately 25 times greater than CO2 and has already increased nearly three-folds due to human activities. Activities include agriculture like livestock and paddy field rice growing, fossil fuel use and biomass burning. Seeing as how damaging methane is to the environment, I think it's also worth touching on the fact that as the world warms, there is a risk of trapped methane being released. And this is because there's pockets of methane trapped in permafrost. So as the earth warms, this permafrost will begin to melt, releasing the trapped methane and causing even further damage onto the climate and the earth. The second gas is nitrous oxide. It has a potency of approximately 300 times greater than CO2 and human activities have increased its atmospheric concentration by around 15%. Activities such as soil management and the use of fertilizers, the burning of fossil fuels and the production of synthetic fibres, example nylon, are leading to the increase in nitrous oxide in the atmosphere. Finally, carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide makes up the vast majority of greenhouse gas emission and while we all know that burning fossil fuels releases CO2, what I found particularly interesting was that DF deforestation, sorry, also contributes to carbon dioxide. And the pace of deforestation is so vast at the moment that it now constitutes the second leading cause of global warming, causing an estimated 15% of global greenhouse gas emissions. That is a huge effect of deforestation. So now that we've touched a little bit on the basics of the science, let's look at how climate change is going to affect the world and affect people. Since the pre-industrial era, greenhouse gas emissions, ocean acidification, global warming, deforestation, land use change, energy use and world population have dramatically increased. So when we talk about a rise in temperature, it's comparing global temperatures to that before the industrial revolution as this is when human interference can really be seen to have started. It is also the point that many say marks the start of the Anthropocene age, which is the geological age we are currently living through. So, for example, the Ice Age was a geological age. So, 
when I first started looking into climate change and I was hearing, oh, a two degree Celsius of warming of global temperatures. So it's like two degrees. Surely that's not that big of a deal. Like, sure, that can't do that much damage. So I've decided to put in some some research here that shows the effects of a 0.5 degree Celsius warming. So in 2018, IPCC released a special report showcasing the Earth's system with global warming of a 1.5 degree Celsius versus a 2 degree Celsius. So at 2 degrees, 99% of warm water corals will be dead, compared to 70 to 90% at 1.5 degrees. That's the difference of 70% to 99% at a 0.5 degree increase. The sea level will rise by 10 centimetres more than it would at 1.5 degrees. Irreversible loss of major ice sheets may be triggered at 2 degrees. 13% of land area will undergo a transformation of ecosystems at 2 degrees versus 4% at 1.5. At a 2 degree Celsius warming, the Arctic will be ice free in summer once every 10 years versus once every 100 years at 1.5. So that can really just demonstrate the impact that even a small change to a global warming can have. And often it can feel like these statistics statistics are very far out and kind of disengaged from our lives. So I want to put in here some of the things that I learned while reading Mary Robinson's Climate Justice wherein she speaks to real people who are facing the real consequences of our actions. And now, if I get some of the pronunciation here wrong, I'm very sorry, but I'm just going to give it my best shot. So, Anote Tong, the former president of the Republic of Kiribati, or Kiribati, a Pacific island located on the equator about halfway between Australia and Hawaii, made the decision in 2014 to purchase 6,000 acres of forested land on Fiji's second largest island, 1,000 miles away. He made this decision after seeing the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, fifth assessment report, which stated that coastal systems and low-lying areas will increasingly experience adverse impacts such as submergence, coastal flooding and coastal erosion due to relative sea level rise. He knew that his entire country was at danger of being lost to the sea. Entire villages have already been submerged and people are being forced to move inland. As I said earlier, climate change is happening now. In Bangladesh, scientists predict that by 2050, as many as 25 million people could lose their homes and livelihoods to rising sea. And in Africa, more than 25% of the population live within 100 kilometres of the coast leaving 300 million people at risk from flooding caused by sea level rise. And we haven't even touched on the droughts that could face us as a result of rising temperatures, leading to loss of livelihoods if ground can't be utilised for farming, not to mention the famines and increase in world hunger that could lead as a result. We need to act now to help to combat climate change. But it feels like such a big problem. It feels like it's already in motion and surely there's not that much that we can do to help. But there are things that we can do to help to stall climate change, to help reduce the impact. And to do this, we must cut our reliance on fossil fuels and invest instead in renewable energy sources, example, wind, solar and geothermal. The earth cannot sustain our demanding need for fossil fuels. 
Switching to renewable energy will generate jobs and opportunities around the world. In 2018, 11 million people were employed in renewable energy. However, when making this switch, we must do so by ensuring just transition. We must ensure that nobody gets left behind and that all of those who have worked for us for years in the fossil fuel industry be helped and supported as they move into clean energy and other sectors. In creating a more sustainable life and society, we must make it sustainable and better for everybody. Businesses and corporations must be held responsible for their practices and emissions, and they must take more account of their environmental impact. As a society overall, we need to turn away from the materialistic, short-term consumerism lifestyle that is causing so much damage to our planet. We have, in my opinion anyways, become so fixated on short-term economic growth and industry that we are failing to see the longer plan. A CITI report found that limiting temperature rises to a 1.5 degree rise by 2100 would lead to a global economic loss of $20 trillion, while a business-as-usual scenario of 4.5 degree warming by 2100 could cost the global economy $72 trillion. So, even if we stay lining our pockets now through fossil fuels and etc., instead of investing in renewable sources and changing the way that we live, we will feel the effects both physically and economically. The 2015 Paris Agreement was a landmark deal which showed world leaders coming together to commit to tackling the problem. Among other things, they aimed to limit global warming to well below 2 degrees, with an aim to limit warming by 1.5 degrees by, by 2100. We are currently on track for a temperature rise of 3 degrees, which could see some terrible consequences. We are still not doing enough. In 2019, Ireland ranked 41st out of 57 states, accounting for 90% of the world's emissions. This report, jointly produced by German Watch, the New Climate Institute and the Climate Action Network, is based on a series of criteria including renewable energy efficiency and climate policy, and is regarded internationally as the definite indicator of performance in addressing a warming world. Now, I don't know what you think about these statistics, but... I don't think that they are good enough from a developed country. We need to take a more deliberate and ambitious approach to tackling climate change to make a change. And I completely understand as well the hypocrisy, I suppose, in a sense of sitting here and saying that we need to do more and government needs to do more and policy leaders need to do more, while also being very aware of the fact that I don't have any policies to recommend to the government and I don't think I ever will. I don't know the answers, but we can look to the countries who are showing us that sustainable development is the future and can be the goal, and we can learn from their example. India, the third largest emitter of carbon dioxide, where 240 million people still lack proper access to electricity, has the option to use coal to rapidly expand the country's electrical grid, which one would assume that they would do. It's quick, it'll get it done, and they know it's going to work. But the Indian government has committed to providing electricity to all its people by 2030 by becoming a global leader in solar power. In 2015, Costa Rica produced 99% of its electricity supply through entirely renewable energy and hopes to be entirely carbon neutral by 2021. If countries like these can lead the way and provide examples, then surely we can follow. Surely we can do better than we are doing now. 
And at the same time, it's also very easy to say that it's up to the government and it's up to the policymakers and it's up to big corporations. And sure, I'll never be able to make a change. I'm just an individual and my actions will never matter. This is entirely untrue. If you want to compare the climate change situation to the situation that we've currently just gone through and are still going through in relation to COVID-19, everybody had a part to play, especially during the lockdown. Everybody had different parts to play, but everybody had a part to play. Some people had to go out to work and work on the front lines. Others simply had to stay at home. But the system would not have worked if everybody didn't play their part we would not have had the impact that we had and maybe not as many lives would have been saved. I'm sorry, definitely not as many lives would be saved. So if you want to look at that in the same way as climate change, we need everybody to play a part. We need everybody to do their role and do what they can because it is only through collective action that we are going to be able to make a lasting change. So there's lots of things that you can do at home. And the important thing is just to get started. So if you've made it all the way to the end of this, you're obviously interested in climate change in some way. Have you taken a true action in your own life to make a change? For example, you can eat less meat. Maybe you'll do a meatless Monday. You can cut down on how often you use the car if you're in a place that you can take advantage of public transport or cycling. And I know, like living in rural Ireland, it can be a little bit harder to do that, but there's other things that you can do. If you have a home, can you insulate it so that you have to use less energy on heat? Can you turn off the lights and use energy-efficient bulbs? Fill your dishwasher up all the way before you turn it on, so therefore you're using it less. Use less water, for example, when we're told in primary school. Turn off the tap when you're brushing your teeth. Buy local produce and buy in season. And if you're feeling very brave and you have some good ideas, write to a TD, write to the government, why not? For me personally, what I'm working on at the moment is uh, my fashion and fast fashion. I try to avoid it because some people may not know, but the fashion industry was actually found to be the fourth worst pollution industry for CO2 emissions in the 2018 climate report. The only three industries above it were electric agriculture and road transformation, road transportation. Um, so there's lots of things that you can do at home. I think as well sometimes people get disillusioned and they start seeing looking after the environment as an activity separate to their everyday life. But looking after the environment is about our lifestyles. It is our everyday life and making those little changes piece by piece to make a larger impact. So let's all pick something today. One thing, one little thing that you're going to work on to try and make a change. As Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. Thank you for listening to the Global Citizen Podcast. The Global Citizen Podcast is brought to you by the Global Citizen Award, an award aimed at inspiring returned volunteers to bring their learning home and take positive action in their local communities. We hope you enjoyed listening to Orla as much as we did. Climate change affects everyone, but as Orla experienced firsthand in Mozambique, those who may be more vulnerable or living on the margins of society can be impacted significantly more by climate-related disasters. But we all have a responsibility and we can all take small individual steps and make informed choices to take action on climate. Thank you for joining us on the Global Citizen Podcast. 